your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 225 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On Rangers is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And got a special guest joining us today in just a second. Going to be joined by Mr. Kevin LaBella. I believe he's making his third appearance here on Locked on New York Rangers. Kevin's a good friend of mine. He also happens to work at the NHL Network. Going to be talking a little bit about the uh, Rangers captaincy, who the next captain could be, who the next alternate captains could be with the departure of Mark Stahl and Jesper Foss. Also diving into free agency, talking a little bit about the World Juniors, talking about some of the players the Rangers have re-signed, including Alex Georgiev and Tony D'Angelo, and just whatever else we can get into. And Kevin also has a very unique perspective to share with all of us because he was actually, for work, uh, able to attend some Colorado Rockies home games this season. So we're going to talk about that as well. And after that, like I said, just going to be talking about everything the Rangers have done in this offseason. And this will be part one of our two-part conversation with Kevin LaBella. So enjoy. All right. So without any further ado, let's go ahead. Welcome in our special guest for today, Mr. Kevin LaBella. Kev, how are we doing today, buddy? Good, John. How are you doing? Uh, hanging in there, man. You know, it's just been a crazy year, but... Uh, you know, we'll get to the Rangers stuff in just a second, but I know we were talking about this a little bit, texting each other and then a, a little bit on the phone here before we started recording. Uh, you had the very unique experience of working Colorado Rockies home games actually at the stadium with no one in attendance this year. I can't even imagine what that was like, so I'll just let you go ahead and tell me, man, what was that like being in a NLB stadium pretty much by yourself in, this, in the stands there in the press box? Yeah, so this year it was a little different um, just from a whole operational standpoint. I do the StatCast, running the StatCast system for MLB. Um, we had a new system this year, the Hawkeye system, that if you've been watching the playoffs and seeing all the stats they're throwing up there with the launch angle, exit velocity, some of the defensive metrics that they're now producing, all of those stats come off of our system. So normally we're kind of down in the truck dock with the production teams. Um, but with it being so bare bones at the stadium this year, they, they pumped us up to the press box. So it was interesting being able to watch games in the press box. Um, in the Like I said, in the past, we're usually down by the truck dock, so we're not usually in that kind of environment. But, you know, it's very calm, quiet, respectful. Um, you don't really hear a lot up there, but the stadium in general was like that. They – no vendors, no security, no ushers. You know, there's a yeah. couple people in there, but not really too many. And and out here, a lot of the staff for Coors Field is a lot of senior citizens and, and older folks that have been doing this job for probably since Coors Field opened in 95. So it's a lot of same familiar faces that you see walking around. And you'll always know the ushers at your sections and stuff like that, but nobody's there this year so it's a little strange you could hear the guys talking on the field during batting practice you could, you could almost hear them giving each other advice and tips and when they're taking ground balls and, and stuff like that you could you can really hear everything that's going on so during the game um 
we're up there almost directly behind home plate. You know, there's a couple of writers and, uh, you know, uh, AT&T sports people and, and Denver Post beat writers and stuff like that up there. So you kind of got a nice array of people that obviously been doing this for a long time and everybody's kind of the same thing. Um, you know, you had the security measures where you had to get temperature screenings and full masks everywhere. Also, no food available in the stadium. So you kind of got to keep going back and forth. If you want to get something to eat, you got to go outside before the game and bring it in. But then should you be eating up there without having your mask on? So you really got to be respectful to everybody and everything like that. But once the game gets going, it's it's very in control of the, the the sound guy who's who's controlling all the music and the crowd noise. Every every team was given um, iPads preloaded um, with I don't know sixty or so sound crowd sound effects, boos and cheers, and you know it was kind of up to them to when to use them. So what I found interesting was watching not just at the Rockies but watching different games on TV for those first couple of weekends. You know, the Yankees opened up against Washington right off the bat. Um, it was it, it was kind of a feeling out process. You know, you see a guy pick off, and then all of a sudden the, the sound guy hits the boo button, and it's almost, you know, <laughs> thrown in fake boos for something that's trivial to pick off. But, again, when it happens for real, it, that's what happens in the stadium. But you see certain guys are better than others. Like, I noticed when the Yankees were playing Baltimore – guy makes a diving catch in right field, the ball is almost back to the pitcher by the time he hits the cheer button. And, he, you know, he hits the really excited <laughs> cheer button for a diving catch. But it was so late, it, you know, it didn't work. So you could kind of see what stadiums they were kind of getting more acclimated to that. But opening night, uh, Rockies were playing San Diego. And, boy, is that San Diego team exciting with some of those young kids. That Tatis yeah. Jr. is unbelievable. He's so much fun to watch. Um, so Rockies go into the ninth, up I, I want to say maybe five four or six five. They're up a run. Wade Davis comes in immediately, gives up a home run to tie the game. Um, I think Tatis actually hit it, and then he gives up a three run home run. So now the Rockies are down by three, and they're you know the guys playing the booze, and and they, you can hear all the guys down in the San Diego dugout every time they score, cheering and going crazy. You know, it was really exciting. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, they come into the ninth. The Rockies score a couple runs, load the bases. So now they're down. I want to say they were down 8-7 with the bases loaded. Two outs. Um, chance to, you know, base hit wins the game. You would think that there were 50,000 people in that stadium. It, w- it was unbelievable. They, the guys just pumping that crowd noise in. And then uh, I forget who came up, some Chris Owings or uh, somebody who didn't play very much this year. And he hits a fly ball to center field. Center field catches it, game's over. As soon as he catches that ball, they switch the, the crowd noise off. So it was like instantly <laughs> went from 50,000 50, people to now you hear the guys on the Padres cheering down on the field. Um, it's it's very strange environment. I'm sure the players had to notice that too. I mean, again, it, it'll immediately like zap you back to being in high school with that kind of stuff where you could hear the other teams talking in the dugout or, you know, telling, yelling at the umpire. Everybody could hear all that stuff. 
Yeah. Um, it was very interesting. You know, pop-up, you hear Nolan just, I got it, I got it, I got it. Stuff that you just normally would never hear. Very, very different environment. But it was, you know, it was cool being, I didn't work too many games on site this year. We did a lot of stuff remotely. Um, and some of the other guys on my team out here, I kind of, you know, set the schedule where they were more in the stadium than I was. But it was definitely a unique experience. Um, hopefully this doesn't last too much longer and next season kind of gets back to normal. But I, th- I think baseball did a fairly good job. You know, they got hit with the Marlins and, and the Cardinals testing positive and really throwing a wrench into things. You know, the Yankees kind of were, they were supposed to play Philly, but Philly was playing the Marlins. So they didn't want them going to Philly. So then because Baltimore was supposed to play whoever and they weren't playing, they then go play Baltimore. So they were just shuffling the schedule and kind of figuring it out on the fly. Um, but I think they, they did a good job. And I really think they took the right route for the playoffs with going to the hub cities and really keeping everybody isolated in San Diego and L.A. and Texas and Houston. Um, my biggest concern is I, I'm not real thrilled with that field in Texas. The other night, it was the, the, the turf was wet just from the moisture in the air. And you could see when the ball was rolling, it was like shooting up water from it. Yeah. Um, yep. You would think in a, in a dome stadium like that or, you know, retractable dome. You wouldn't have to deal with that kind of stuff, but clearly they are. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is sponsored by Ryan Holiday Book. From the best-selling authors of The Daily Stoic comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue. To accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can. Sports teams across the country are applying this popular philosophy by using stoicism's key idea, you control how you respond and play. You don't control what the refs and fans do or how the ball bounces. It's about what you did to adapt. Lives of the Stoics, The Art of Living, from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius, is available now wherever books are sold. Now, switching gears a little bit here, I wanted to kind of bring everything full circle a little bit, because the first time we had you as a guest on this show, uh, I believe the first topic that we went into was who could be the next Ranger captain, and when will they name their next captain, and all that good stuff. So, um, And now, you know, a couple of alternate captains leave the team. Jesper Faso longer here, Mark Stahl no longer here. So I figure, you know, we can both kind of uh, make our pitches here for who we think should wear the C, who we think should wear the A, all that good stuff. So I believe the last time we talked about this topic, I think you were in uh, Mika Zibanejad's corner. You wanted him to be the captain. Is, is he still your guy? Yeah, I think we were talking Mika and, and possibly Kreider, and I think yep. those would still be the two top candidates. Um, obviously, we, we run these top-shelf shows on the, on the network, on the NHL network all the time, and – you know, top play of the year is Mika's five-goal game, and, and we show the highlights of it all the time. It just really shows you the how different all five of those goals were, how his game is developed, and how he's all over the ice. And, you know, he gets the dirty goals in front, but he makes the nice shot here, and he'll get the breakaway in overtime to win the game. Um, I, I think he's a leader, so he would be the obvious choice, but Kreider, too, with the new big contract, you know, suppose, assuming that he's going to be around for the length of that contract, he'd be another good choice. And, you know, he's a gritty kind of guy like that, that, that doesn't take crap from anybody. So he'd be a good choice, but I'm reading a lot of stuff that, and you know how Ranger fans are. So it's all, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, Is Kreider going to be around for the length of this contract? Is, are they going to re-sign Mika when his contract comes up? You know, a lot of people are talking about, well, well, he's, you know, 29, 30 now. And 
you know, do we want to give another 30-year-old another six-year deal? You know, maybe, maybe not, but I, I think Mika's got to be the front runner for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm slightly for Kreider just because he's been there a little bit longer. He's slightly older, and like you said, you know, he just plays with a lot of that grit, a lot of that tenacity. And, you know, I've been a big Kreider fan over the years. Uh, if there's one little nitpick that I can find with him, it's that he does seem to go through slumps every now and then where he's not the most visible player out there. I mean, in, in some respects, that happens to any player that plays in the NHL. But it does seem to happen, you know, at least once a season where there's like a stretch where, you know, he's just not as visible as you'd like him to be out there. I don't know. I just think maybe if you slap that C on him, it just gives him like even more of a sense of purpose. Like, man, I got to bring it every single night. I got to go out there and I got to lead this team. And, uh, you know, just the fact that he's the longest tenured Ranger and the only guy left from the 2014 uh, Stanley Cup finals run, he knows what it takes to, to be a winner and to go on those deep playoff runs and to, you know, lead this team uh, to, to some great to some great things. So I think I'm slightly for Kreider, but you made a great case for Mika Zibanejad as well. I really don't think he can go wrong with either one of them. And with Mika, I mean, you mentioned that he's a free agent two years from now. I do wonder, you know, I don't want to play politics with the, the Ranger captaincy, but if you give him the captaincy, does that make him more likely to stick around? That's food for thought as well. Well, I mean, look at our last two captains. That didn't help them True. stick around. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching Third time's a charm, though, right? That cup of, dude, I was so torn this year. You know, yeah. I, as much as I don't like rooting for Tampa, it's hard to not root for those guys that gave everything for them. You know, the Callahan situation, they couldn't reach the extension, so they dumped them. McDonough, it was more of a, re, you know, starting the rebuild. Um, but that McDonough one hurt. I mean, I remember working that, that trade deadline day, and that, that deal came in after the buzzer, um, and we thought we were going to get away without getting rid of him, and then all of a sudden all these deals started coming in right at the buzzer, and he was the first one. And Kevin Weeks just—he seems heartbroken about it because, again, you could tell he's—he's he's a Ranger guy at heart too. Um, but you know, like you're saying, if if it's gonna motivate Kreider to play better and not disappear like he does so often, because again, it seems when the playoffs come around, other than 2014, him him knocking Carey Price out, he really hasn't been a huge contributor most of the playoffs. I mean, again, he he's got his when when the time comes, but. Overall, you're right. He does disappear at times. So if that's going to motivate him, I'd be all for it. But I think Mika is kind of the identity of that team, where it's going, um, the more skill route, the more speed route. And, again, I was I was really bummed when they traded Broussard um, to get Mika. But, you know, I'd seen Mika in Ottawa, and I know what he's capable of. But Broussard was, you know, that, he was your face-off guy, second-line center. You know, he was kind of the glue on that uh, on that Stanley Cup team in the year after, but Mika has, was what a, what a season he had this year. He's so exciting and playing playing with the bread man. Um, I think they're gonna they got a decent top six. It's their bottom six that's the problem. But yeah, I'd I'd be okay with either Kreider or Mika. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Broussard because it's become kind of a running joke on this podcast. You know, free agency started uh, last off season, and the first couple episodes that I did of this show, I was kind of making the case like. Hey, you know, maybe bring Derek Broussard back on like a really affordable short-term contract. We're kind of thin at center. Let's bring him back into the fold. And, you know, now he's a free agent again. And uh, there's part of me that just really wants to see a reunion between Derek Broussard and the Rangers. Now, I realize Broussard's not the same player that he was five, six, seven years ago, however far you want to go back. But again, he's somebody uh, that can provide a little bit of uh, some veteran leadership in that locker room, which obviously they're a very young team. I never think it hurts to bring in another veteran. 
And, uh, you know, somebody who had a decent season for the Islanders, he was kind of up and down a little bit this past year, but I don't think he's done quite yet. And again, the Rangers still a little bit thin at center. I don't know if it's still a fit, but man, I love Derek Broussard when he was here. And, you know, as much as I understood the trade when they made it, it still kind of stung to see Derek Broussard leave because he was my favorite player when he was on the team. And uh, obviously it's worked out great with Mika's advantage at the, the Rangers just absolutely obliterated the senators in that trade. But man, I would love to see a, a reunion with Derek Broussard. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, as you say, obliterating, I think everybody obliterates Ottawa in their trades. That's fair. <laughs> with, <laughs> um, honestly, I think them trading for Duchesne really set them back uh, by giving away the picks that they gave up to get him really put them in a bad spot. Yeah. But yeah, I feel I'd be all for bringing Broussard back because clearly the Rangers are weak up the middle um, he's a very similar player to Strom. Um, he may be a little less physical, but a little more quick, a little more skill. Um, I think, you know, again, even, you know, I don't know if he was the second or third center with the Islanders. I think he kind of bounced back and forth between lines, but he plays important minutes. You know, he'll play that second power play. He'll play that second penalty kill. Um, you know, he, he's another forward that'll go and play the point on the power play. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of kind of quarterback things. Uh, he, he's a really smart player. He always seems to put himself in a good position. Um, and, and, again, he'll go to the front and, and get some of those dirty goals, too, when needed. Um, again, I, I've been watching a lot of these old games during quarantine that, that on the network that's all we've been running before the season started back up. And going and watching some of those 2014 and 2015 Rangers games, uh, man, that team was exciting. And yeah. <laughs> he, he, was a, he was a major part of that. Um, again, you look at some of those guys like Benoit Pouliot. He was so good that year that all of a sudden he falls off the face of the earth. You know, some of these guys are never to be heard from again. You know, watching Hagelin go win two cups with Pittsburgh and then another one with Washington, again, you know, kills me watching some of these guys that were so good and so exciting for us. I mean, I go yeah. back, I compare them to just some guys like um, – you know, that I used to love watching. Peter Pruka was like my favorite player when they came back out of that lockout and, and you know, half their team was checks and, and with Yager running the show. And that team was so exciting. And then you see the guy comes out, scores 25 goals his rookie year, and then never heard from again. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think maybe uh, he was on a line with Yaramir Yager, if I remember correctly. So I do wonder if maybe Yager kind of brought him to another level. And then when he's out there with just, you know, say average players, maybe he just couldn't replicate that success. But it's funny. I actually did an episode not too long ago where we did a Peter Pruka shout out because I was counting down uh, what I thought were the 10 best Ranger draft picks of the last 20 years and also the 10 worst. And I think Pruka was like eighth or ninth best because you know, he didn't really go on to have like a phenomenal career with the Rangers, but they got him so late in that draft that, you know, that yeah. was a nice pick. And he, he was a very exciting player for a while there, looking like he was going to be a starter then, for at least a brief time. And again, you know, learning from the older countrymen, you know, that, that team, another exciting team, then Straka, Nylander, and, uh, you know, those guys, that was a good team. And they had a lot of youth, you know, they got guys running around like Hallweg and Strudwick and those kind of guys. Um, you know, that was an exciting team. I, I don't know. He was, he was one of my favorite players for that, that little period there running up to that 2012 series where they lose to New Jersey that I'm still convinced that they beat the devils there. They, they beat the Kings in that cup in 2012, but you know, who knows? 
Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. To get back to uh, the issue of captaincy for just a minute here, I think we can both agree, uh, Kreider and Mika, whichever one's not the captain, probably the other one will be one of the alternate captains, fair to say? Yep, definitely. So, yeah, so, I mean, do you want to throw out another name for another alternate captain? We got some work to do here, man. I don't know who else wears an A next year. I mean, I, I would think Truba and Panarin are the two logical choices. Again, you want the guys too, yeah. that are gonna, yeah. you, you want the guys that got the experience. They kind of been in big spots before. You know, Panarin never too crazy, but obviously was there as a young guy with Chicago during their run, the end of their run. Um, but Truba, you know, Truba's he's been around. It's just um, if he's going to be on the third pair, you know. Is it worth putting the A on the third pair just for the amount of time they're on the ice? Or is it really a locker room leadership thing? Because I, w- I would imagine Truba is one of the leaders in the locker room, being one of the more elder statesmen and, you know, again, guy that's been around different teams, different situations. You pick up a lot of stuff from guys around the league. Um, those would be my two logical choices. But who, who knows? They, you may see an A on Strom just because he gets a lot of the big minutes now. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned Truba, and it's like us Ranger fans, we all kind of look at Truba as like kind of the grizzled veteran back there, kind of like the the elder statesman, the leader of the blue line, and yet he's only 26 years old. It's just crazy that, you know, if you're 26 years old, you're you're a veteran on this team. You know, you've been around. You're you're one of the, the locker room leaders despite default, basically. Yep. I, and you're right. I do, I do forget he's that young. And again, these guys come in so young and, and be, you know, working for the network. I watch the World Juniors so much, and I, I see these guys coming up. Um, they, you see them when they're 16, 17, and then all of a sudden, whoa, four years later, they're a superstar in their second year in the league as a you know, 20-year-old. And then you got six years under your belt. You're, you know, realistically, like you said, 26, you're not that old, but six years in the NHL under your belt, you're a veteran at that point. Absolutely. Uh, to change gears a little bit here, I got to get your reaction to seeing the Rangers win the draft lottery. Obviously, we know that it leads to them selecting Alexi Lafreniere with the number one overall pick. But were you at work when this happened? Were you able to kind of control yourself as you see that Ranger logo there? Just what was it like for you when that happened? So I was working from home. Um, okay. We we did. I'm trying to think if, if we can. I'm pretty sure we carried that live on our network. Um you know, I got to see kind of behind the scenes the day before um, they were kind of testing everything out. And, you know, they, the NHL is real good with their security. Those, those balls were locked in uh, 
big case. Nobody was getting to him. Um, obviously, when the guy dropped the one, everybody's calling foul. Did the ball get dented? Does it have a piece of dust on it? Does that make it more uh, more likely to come out of the machine? You know, everybody can say what <laughs> yeah. they want. That thing was fair. It was done fair. I was – as soon as the, it popped up out of the machine, all I could see was that little corner of blue. Yep. And I was just like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Now, again, I really wanted it last – I wanted it last year because I thought Jack Hughes was going to be the truth. But I think overall we're going to end up with the better part of that Caco Hughes deal. As Honestly, I don't think Hughes is going to pan out. I think his brother's better than he is. Um, but, again, playing on that Devils team, they were not very good this year. Um, so, who knows? Maybe a couple more pieces. He, he, he's a little better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Alexi is supposed to be the future of the league. So, um, I, you know, I've watched him play in the juniors uh he was incredible last year absolutely embarrassed the usa when the two of those teams played um but you know overall the rangers don't usually have good luck with their draft picks so you know i want to see this kid play um on on the rangers at the nhl level and then and let's let's see what we actually got um you know he's starting with all the tools in the world but is he going to develop? Because Kako, you know, obviously had a little bit of a rough year this year. Um, didn't play any important minutes really the entire season. Um, and, and again, it takes guys a little bit of adjustment to find their game and adapt to the NHL style, especially the European guys. Um, I know the game's gotten more European, but it's always a. I'm sure the culture shock doesn't help either. You know, I know uh, the Rangers don't have a big. Finnish presence on their team, so that that doesn't always help. I mean, everybody seems to be excited about it. I, I think they got the best player in the draft, so um, hopefully, I never see the Rangers get the number one pick ever again, unless they trade for it. Right, right. But I think I think it's you know the, the kid the kid looks like he's going to be a stud. So let's let's hope for the best. Hope he stays healthy and hope he brings us a cup. Yeah, it's funny, you know, going into that draft lottery, you know, obviously the Rangers have a one in eight chance, just like everybody else, you know, that has a ball in that ping pong ball machine or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I had the same reaction you did, you know, the, the ping pong ball rises to the top and in the bottom right corner there, you could see some blue and some red and it looks like the New York Rangers logo, you know what I mean? But at yep. that, by that same token, you know, they zoomed out and I'm just like waiting to see, I didn't want to celebrate because like, I don't want to let myself think for like five seconds here that the Rangers got the number one pick. And then I'm completely disappointed. And it's like the Winnipeg Jets or something. They got some blue yeah, in their yep. logo too, but it's crazy. You know, then you see that, that logo and it's like, oh my God, this actually happened. We're getting the first pick. And I don't know if you saw, but there was this video kind of making its rounds on Twitter. Apparently uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs ping pong ball had sort of a double doink. It almost went to the top, but it like bounced off of like the piece of plastic twice and, and went out <laughs> and the Ranger, the Ranger ball went right by. So yeah, that, that was a pretty funny moment as well. And of course that would well, happen to, I mean, to the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Yeah, and the minute the Maple Leafs and the Penguins both got eliminated in the first round, um, oh, of course, the, they're going to fix it for Pittsburgh, and they're going to fix yep. it for Toronto. The thing is not fixed. That was the, the most fair thing I've ever seen. Now, going back to the first part of that lottery, that was a little different. Um, I thought it was very crazy that the placeholder got the first pick and not one of those teams that actually didn't make the playoffs. Right. Um, right. You got to be, you know, freaking out as one of those teams that 
hey, we, we're the worst team in hockey, like Detroit. We're the worst team in hockey this year, and we're still not picking first. You know, and then you, you have the Rangers with Carolina's pick from the Brady Shea deal, um, and then the Rangers playing Carolina in the first round. And, again, it, it wouldn't have happened had it happened that way, but, you know, everybody's saying, well, you know, even if the Rangers win, Carolina's pick goes into the lottery and we get that one. I think what actually would happen was Toronto would have ended up with with Carolina's pick. I think if I remember how that all shook out, um, there, there was something that Carolina had two and the Rangers would have got the worst of the two. So right, even right. if that pick was one, they wouldn't have gotten it. But again, you hear all that talk, wow, the Rangers could win the cup and still get the first pick. Um, our guys on the, on the network, Weeks and, and uh, Rupp and – Ah, God, I forget who else was on that day. They, when they were picking the playoffs, they, they picked the Rangers as the only game, the only series that was going to sweep, except the Rangers were going to win. Everybody was so convinced the Rangers were, were hot. I don't know why, coming off a three-month layoff. Um, but that, they turned out to be the only team that got swept. Yeah, and it <laughs> was not very good. It was rough, man. It was a rough <laughs> series. We did get a heck of a consolation prize. But it's funny because, you know, going into that playoff series, you do see some chatter on Twitter like, oh, man, you know, it'd be better if the Rangers lost this series because then they would get a chance at the number one pick. And I'm like, yeah, it's not a very good chance. It's a one in eight chance. But then yeah. as soon as, as soon as they do get swept, your attention immediately goes right to that. And you're still thinking, oh man, one in eight chance. I mean, it's probably not going to happen. At least we've got a shot at it. And then lo and behold, it happens. And I mean, listen, man, I don't think us Ranger fans can complain about the draft ever again after moving up yep. to the number two spot to get Capo Caco and then getting the number one pick to, to get Lafreniere. I mean, I think, Whatever happens with the draft lottery and all the years going forward, I think we just got to be cool with it. All right, once again, a big thanks to you guys for continuing to tune in to Lockdown New York Rangers, and a big thanks to Kevin LaBella for joining the show. Always a good time talking some Ranger hockey with Kev. And like I said, we're going to have part two of our conversation likely in tomorrow's episode, and then we'll figure out something for Friday as well. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, it is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.